Well, for our second reading in God's Word, if we could turn to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 at verse 32, and we'll read on to chapter 12 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 32, let us once again hear the living Word of our God. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen. May God bless to us the reading of his word. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Well, what is the great purpose of the letter to the Hebrews? Why was this brief word of exhortation, as it's called in chapter 13, written? Well, the answer is to provide encouragement to believers who were feeling deeply discouraged, who were doubting whether they could carry on in the Christian life. It was written to show these believers why they should press on in the face of the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, the specific temptation that faced these Hebrew believers was to turn their backs on the Lord Jesus Christ and to return to the religion of the Old Testament. 
to the outward glory of the temple and the sacrifices and the priesthood. These Hebrew believers were persecuted because they were Christians. They were excluded from society. They were losing their jobs. They were suffering financially. It was hard for them to be Christians. And the outward superstructure of Old Testament religion was still there. The religion that they had known all their lives with its outward splendor and glory was there calling them back. It would still be a, a few years before the temple in Jerusalem would finally be destroyed by the Roman army. And so at this point, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the temples, they were all there. And the Hebrew believers had friends saying to them, go back to all this. What is Christianity anyway? Where is the glory of your worship? Where is your high priest? You can't see him. Surely the suffering you are enduring is not worth it. Come back to the old religion, the old way of life. It will be so much easier. And it's into that context of struggling, tempted believers that the author of Hebrews speaks to encourage them. And to encourage these Hebrew believers, he brings one fundamental message, one fundamental call, and that is, behold afresh the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in beholding again the glory of your Savior, you will find everything you need to overcome the temptation, the discouragement, and to go on. And the author says effectively in chapters 1 to 10, Behold how the glory of Christ exceeds the glory of angels. Behold how the glory of Christ exceeds the glory of Moses. Behold how Jesus Christ is more glorious than the priesthood of the Aaronic priesthood. Indeed, behold how Christ is more glorious than anything the Old Testament believers had. And then the writer says in chapter 11, Behold how it was faith in the glorious Savior that sustained believers in the Old Testament when they were tried and tested and persecuted. And here in the first three verses, though, of chapter 12, we have perhaps the, the height, the, the apex of this call to behold the glory of of Jesus Christ. And we'll look at the first three verses of chapter 12 together this morning. And in them, we have the real kernel of the answer to going on, the real kernel of how to behold the Lord Jesus Christ. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely run with endurance, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Whenever we are tempted to be discouraged and turn back, these beginning verses of Hebrews 12 show us how and why to go on. And we'll look at these verses under four headings. What is the Christian life like? Run with endurance the race. We'll look at how we progress in the Christian life, lay aside every weight and sin which clings. We'll see how we find the strength 
to progress, look to Jesus. And we'll also see our companions in the race, since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So the glory of Christ encouraging us in our Christian life under four headings. What is the Christian life like? How do we progress in the Christian life? How do we find the strength to progress? And our companions in the race. First then, if we are to persevere in the Christian life, we need to know what we are to persevere in. We need to know realistically what the Christian life is like. And here in these verses, we're told what our lives will be like. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Christian life, the author of the Hebrews tells us, is like a race. And when he's using this image of a race, he doesn't have a sprint in his mind, but a long-distance race. He's using the image of some of the long-distance races that would have been run in the first century. And he is saying to us, Christians, you and me, we are running a long-distance race. Your Christian life is not a sprint that is over in seconds. It is an endurance test. It's a lengthy race which needs perseverance. We have to run all the way to the end, all the way to the finish line. And that tells us that the Christian life is not about sitting back and taking it easy. Nor is the Christian life about short sprints and bursts of activity. A successful marathon isn't determined by how you begin or what you do in short sections of the race. A good beginning isn't enough. What we have in this image of the Christian life is a steady, deliberate, ongoing running. Instead of ease with short bursts of activity, we have ongoing, patient, pace, endurance in running. And that is exactly what the Christian life is. That is what we must persevere in, a long-distance race. And transferring that image directly to our lives, the Christian life is a life of steady, committed attendance at church, regular reading and searching of the Scriptures, regular personal prayer, regular fellowship with God's people, fervently, frequently, prayerfully going on and going on and going on in these things, week after week, month after month, year after year. It's not glamorous. It doesn't sound exciting. But that is the long-distance race we are all called to. And actually, it is the most thrilling thing in the world to do. And at the end, what joy and blessing just simply going on, going on brings. Because what does Paul say at the end of his days? I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Now, as we'll see, we need the grace of God to keep us going on. But God uses means. His promises don't remove our responsibility. Running the race is God's gift. 
but it is our duty. And so we must persevere. We must run. We aren't spectators in the stands. The Christian life is a long-distance race. Realizing this, realizing realistically what our lives are called to be is a great beginning to know how to go on and to endure. And we must endure because it is he who endures to the end who is saved, Matthew 24. Well, okay, that's, that's very well and good. I understand that the Christian life is difficult. It's like a, a marathon. We need to keep on keeping on. But how do struggling, tempted Christians do this? How do we manage this long-distance race? Sounds hard. And there are headwinds. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil pushing back on, on my running. And that is true. And so the author of Hebrews goes on to two things that will enable us to run, two vital things that must be true if we are to finish this long-distance race that the Christian life is like. The first is negative, and the second is positive. And we'll look at the negative thing first, and that's our second point. How do we progress in the Christian life? How do we run the race? Well, we are to lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. How do we progress in the Christian life? We lay aside sin. Now, a long-distance race is a hard thing to run. But if you have weight on your back, how much harder is the race? I do a lot of hill walking when I'm up in the highlands of Scotland. And it's amazing how much harder it is when you've got a heavy backpack on your back climbing up that hill as opposed to when you don't. And sin is like that. It's a great weight that strenuously opposes and drags down our endurance. Sin entangles us. It trips us up. Its immense weight puts us almost out of the race. And so we're told if you want to finish the race, lay aside that sin which is hindering you and dragging you down. But notice how that sin is described. It is that which clings so closely, or in other translations, which so easily ensnares us. And how true to life that is. That's why the battle is so difficult, isn't it? There's so much out there and so much in here, which means sin easily entangles us. It's getting thrown at us all the time by the world, and it still lurks inside our hearts. And that's why we succumb so easily. Unbelief, fear, worry, selfishness, clinging to our hearts. Now, the author here in Hebrews may be referring to a particular kind of sin. Some say that since Hebrews 11 has been all about faith, the victory of faith, that he's thinking here of the sin of unbelief entangling. Others say that he has in mind our particular weaknesses, 
as individuals, we will all have sins that particularly entangle us, that we are particularly prone to. And they're the sins specific to individuals that he's talking about. And others say that there's no specific reference, it's just sin in general. And the truth is, he's probably referring to all three things. The great sin of unbelief, our own particular sins, but also that general tendency to all sins that there are in our hearts. And so he's saying, whatever it is that is dragging us out of the race, whatever it is that is hindering us, lay it aside. Cast it aside. Is it prayerlessness that is hindering you? Get on your knees and pray. Is it ignoring the Bible that is hindering you? Open it up. Read it. Meditate on it. Is it some specific sin in your life? Cut it out. Leave it. Forsake it. Never turn to it again. You know, the Christian life is hard and we cannot run it with heavy burdens on our back. So lay aside sin. That's the negative thing that we're told here. And it may be that you're feeling, I thought this was about encouragement in this sermon. I thought this was about beholding the glory of Jesus Christ. And so far you've told me I've got to run a very long race. And so far you've told me I've got to get busy at cutting sin out of my life and throwing it to one side. But I'm trying to run. I'm, I'm trying to lay sin aside, but I can't. I'm trying to fight, but however hard I fight, sin remains, the the weight remains, and it's just so hard to go on. But the author of Hebrews is very pastoral, and so it's never about us, it's never left on us, it's always focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't lay aside sin in our own strength. We can't run in our own strength. And so we have our third point. Who is it that gives us the strength to run, to persevere? How is it that we can lay aside sin? Well, it is by looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus. See, the the apostle doesn't end at at, uh, verse 1. He doesn't just say, run this hard race, lay aside all these weights, because that would be no help to us at all. Instead, he goes on and he says, look to Jesus, because it's only looking to our Savior that we find the strength to run and the grace to cast aside sin. Running and enduring is principally a matter of faith. And our faith, for it to be faith, is fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we look to Jesus. We look to him now in the midst of our struggles. We don't wait until we've laid aside sin to look to him. We don't wait until we're running at a decent pace to look to him. That's to put the cart before the horse. We look to Jesus, and in doing that, we find the strength to forsake sin and to run. It's as our eyes are fixed on Jesus that sin falls off and the pace picks up.
And you know, one of the great problems of the Christian life is that we can fall into the trap of being so busy, of trying to do many things, of trying to make ourselves better and more holy in our own strength, that we fail to meditate on Jesus, who he is, and what he has done for believers. And the author of Hebrews here corrects that, and he says, yes, you run, yes, you lay aside the weight of sin that is on you, but the only way to do that is to look to Jesus. And literally, it would be translated, look away to Jesus. Take your gaze off everything and everyone else and set your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And go on setting your eyes upon him because he is the only one who can enable you to finish the race. So we run, casting off weights, but with our eyes fixed on Jesus. But the author here doesn't just say generically, look to Jesus. There are three specific things he calls us to look to in connection with the Savior. First, we are told to look to the Jesus who endured the cross, who endured the cross. Now, that tells us, as believers who need to endure, that we look to the one who has first endured for us, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And what Paul is saying to us there, the Christian life is hard. It involves suffering. But Jesus Christ suffered above and beyond what any one of us can ever go through in our lives. He is the one who loved us and who gave himself for us. He is the one who has made sin for us, that in him we might be made the very righteousness of God. Look then, believer, to the endurance of Jesus Christ. Look to his love and his willingness to suffer and endure for us. And as we look to the one who endured the cross for us, because he endured, we will find the strength to go on running. And that, I think, is what the Apostle Paul means when he talks of Jesus as the founder of our faith. It isn't so much here the idea that Jesus is the, the beginning of our faith, but that Jesus, as the captain of our salvation, has founded, has blazed the trail for us. He has shown the way and won the way for us so that we can endure walking in his footsteps, the trail that he has blazed. So we look to the Jesus who endured the cross. But we secondly look to Jesus as the one who had joy set before him, and therefore he endured the cross. Because the cross, the suffering, wasn't the end for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in his greatest sufferings and trials, he saw beyond the cross. He saw that he would be the victor in the battle with the powers of evil. That he would rise in triumph from the grave, taken home to glory, to his promised reward, 
he knew that he had joy set before him. The joy of his own homecoming. The joy of being crowned with glory and honour. The joy of bringing many sons to glory. Jesus knew that he would gain so much more than he lost on the cross. And we're told in Hebrews to, to look to him. Because in seeing the mindset of our Saviour, we too can see that there is a joy set before us. There is a joy when we run with endurance our race. That one day we too will enter glory and be forever with the Lord. Just as our Saviour following his sufferings at the end of verse 2 is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we too, as his people, will inherit the kingdom prepared for us before the foundation of the world. And it's in that sense that Jesus is called the perfecter of our faith, or perhaps better, the rewarder of our faith. He is the one who gives us that glory to come. And in looking to the glory to come and our Savior giving it to us, how can we turn back? How can we forsake the race? Looking to the joy of Jesus Christ, how can we turn back? So we look to Jesus and his endurance and his joy for what was before him. But we also look to the Lord Jesus Christ as the one who despised the shame. Our Savior died an accursed death. It was a shameful death. He was mocked, he was struck, he was spat on, and yet Jesus despised the shame. He was made sin on the cross, but he willingly endured. And so we are to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. So that we, in him, can endure shame, mockery, and ridicule for our faith. As we're told in verse 3, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider our Saviour with all the opposition that he had in his life. So why should we be discouraged if we experience the same thing? In this world. Instead of discouragement. Look to the Jesus. As he despised that shame. So to go on in the Christian life. To run. To endure in the marathon. To cast aside sin. What are we to do? We are to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to behold his glory in all that he has done and all that he has endured for us. If we are to resist turning back in the face of the opposition and mockery of the world, if we are to resist sin dragging us out of the race in the face of the opposition of the world and the flesh and the devil, if we are to endure times of trial when things just seem so difficult 
then look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who endured the cross for us, the one whose heart was set on the joy that was before him, and the one who despised all the shame and mockery that came upon him, being willing to endure it as nothing for the glory that was before him. But finally, our companions in the race, beginning of verse 12, since we are surrounded, sorry, verse 1 in chapter 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, the great thing is the race is hard. We have to lay aside sin. Our eyes are set on Jesus, but we do not do this alone. We don't run the race as individuals. Now, of course, here, the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds are the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament heroes of the faith, listed in Hebrews 11. We we read of some of them. And these Old Testament saints that we are surrounded by encourage us in the race in at least two ways. They encourage us by showing that endurance is possible. They all completed the race. Sin didn't drag them out. They didn't turn aside. They all went on. They all in their lives had this great conflict of God's providence being against his promises. Just to give one example, you know, Abraham in Hebrews 11 was as good as dead. His wife Sarah was past the age for having children. And yet God's promise was there. You will have a son and through him you will have children, a multitude that no one can number as the sand of the seashore. And God's providence was crying out in his life, I am against you. This will not happen. You will be childless. And yet God's word was saying, you will have descendants like the sand on the seashore. But he pressed on. He endured because he looked to the promise and to the savior that was to come. These cloud of witnesses show us endurance is possible. But these cloud of witnesses from the Old Testament also show us that the Lord is faithful. Many of these saints in Hebrews 11 had great trials. Many died martyrs' deaths. Many experienced unbelievable suffering. As we read, others suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment, stones, sawn in two, killed with a sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. But God's grace carried them all to the end. Their race was hard, but by faith they looked to the Savior to come, and his grace kept them and took them to the end. So the cloud of witnesses shows us endurance is possible. God's grace is sufficient. But we don't just look to the Old Testament to see the cloud of witnesses. To encourage us in our looking to Jesus and our endurance. There is a great cloud of witnesses in this building today. We run the race not just because we have the encouragement of the past, but because we have the encouragement of the present. I run, and no doubt you run, because we are together. We are encouraging one another. We are encouraged to lay aside the sin that is in our lives. 
We are encouraged to keep on keeping on. We are encouraged to look to Jesus, to behold his glory, to talk about him, to think about him, to discuss his wonder together. You know, if we were left to ourselves running alone, how many of us would still be in the race? If our church family didn't help us on, if we didn't have the cloud of witnesses in our lives, where would we be? You see, we are meant to be surrounded as we run. We need fellowship with one another. And we need that because there are times being realistic when the race will be hard. There will be times when the sin that easily ensnares us does ensnare us. There will be times when our eyes droop down and look at the floor or the hell difficulty that is in front of us and not at Jesus. But because we are together, because we are a cloud of witnesses, we encourage one another. We lift one another up. We strengthen one another. So since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and let us run looking to Jesus. Well, it may be you're here feeling that you're almost out of the race, that you failed your God too badly, that you're no longer running but sitting down and the burden on your back is too great to get up. Well, whatever your failures, whatever my failures, the remedy is exactly the same. Even if you're sat down by the side of the road with a great burden on your back, look to Jesus Christ because he has promised that he will never cast you out. And as you look to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith, you will find this promise true, that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. May God give us all the grace, whatever our condition, to look to Jesus Christ and find in him the strength to run. Amen. May God bless to us.